Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. These are the words that Jesus says at the beginning of our gospel reading today, and they set our minds on what it means to be hearing God's word. We're seeing and hearing God himself. And so he has revealed it to you, and today in particular, he shows you the great compassion he has towards you in Christ. And that's the thing about the Good Samaritan. It's about God's compassion, about God's mercy that you see. The Good Samaritan doesn't place a burden on us, but rather God is the one who bears the burden. And so to understand and know Christ in faith is to see God and what he's done to save you, to see his great compassions. Because without this mercy, without this compassion towards you in Christ, well, the guy who was left for dead on the side of the road is, is in better shape than we are. And so we hear in Luke the account, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and into your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Pretty straightforward. But you see, there's something that the lawyer doesn't understand, or rather something he doesn't see, something that the disciples see who's standing right before him. This lawyer regurgitated what he had learned, or at least what he had memorized. He knew what he was talking about, but he doesn't understand what God's word he just spoke to Jesus points to and teaches. And we see that by the way that he acts next in the next question that he puts before the Lord. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. So this lawyer was definitely thinking. The wheels were spinning in his mind. But you see, what he was thinking in his mind was that, okay then, Jesus, tell me what to do and what not to do, and all is good. So the issue at hand, the real issue at hand, and how we see these things of God in our old Adam is the same. Looking at God's law, and we can nuance it different ways here, ceremonial law, his moral law, different things. But when we see God's law, his righteousness, his kingdom, and all things as something that we can achieve, 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? Look at that question that he asked. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well then, well, who's my neighbor? That is, tell me who I need to love so that I can love them and not love those other people. I want the law achievable. I want to be able to set the bar so that it's not too high, but I can jump over it on my own. And that's why Jesus responds in this parable. It's not necessarily to make things easier to understand. Parables don't serve that purpose. No, it's to humble him and that he see the fulfillment in Christ. But you see, the fact of the matter is that we don't follow God's word and we can't put the bar lower on it so that we can jump over it. When it comes to these things, it's all or nothing. In the epistle of James, we hear, if whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. And so God's law requires total, perfect, and complete obedience. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount doesn't say, so long as you try hard, everything will be okay. No, he says, you therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And the reason for that is because the law is the revelation of God's will. And God's will isn't some just nice thought or something that's good for some and maybe helpful for others, something that maybe is just here, a good rule of thumb. No, God is holy, he's righteous, and he is good. And his law confesses this. Now, that doesn't mean we aren't called to follow God's law, for that also would be an error. Now, the ceremonial law, we see those things have passed away, that Jesus has fulfilled that. But that moral law, our new man desires to live a new life according to what God teaches. The problem arises, though, when we twist something, even as good as God's law, and see it in terms of a legalistic way, that this is how now we can approach God, how we can try to justify ourselves and have our standing before him. But there's no justifying ourselves. There's no looking around us and saying, I've done pretty well. And so in our lives, though, we still think like the lawyer. We think, how much is enough? How much is enough to go to church? When will this service be over? When is enough of him standing up there talking? What amount of money do I need to give to be giving enough? How long am I no longer responsible for my children? Why can't the church change with the time so that we would be more appealing to people? Why who really thinks like that anymore? Why can't I just live my life the way I want and others do the same? All of those, while different questions, have the same one behind it. And they're wrong questions. And God tells you that you have fallen short of his glory. God calls you to repent. So the correct response when confronted by your sin, when trying to think of attempts to justify yourself with what you think may be something clever or found a loophole somehow, the proper response is what we heard a few weeks ago. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, make atonement for my sin. And so humbled then under God's law, you see the great and wonderful thing about the Good Samaritan. And it shines forth when you don't come to hear it with a spirit of arrogance. So in repentance, you see it's all about Jesus for you. 
So in the great depths of your sin, the Lord came down from heaven to redeem you. That compassion is never-ending, as even his own didn't receive him. As Jesus was rejected and despised by men, Jesus was called a Samaritan. People thought Jesus had a demon, that he must be possessed. But it was the will of God to crush the Lord as the one who bore your sin. And this one who was outcast, forsaken on, by the Father on the cross, you find the one who draws you near to the Father. So his life is that righteous life, the one that has perfectly obeyed God's law, one that has not fallen short. And so that righteous life of, life of his was so that he would be that perfect sacrifice offered to the Father, even as he himself is God in the flesh. And by dying, he has destroyed death. So Christ crucified then is your good Samaritan, the one who we wouldn't think would be the one to save. But you see, this is God's perfect compassion towards you. And so in faith, then, you understand all things through Christ. You behold his word, and you see your Lord as your Savior who has rescued you from the pit, the one who's brought you safe into the lodging of the church where he feeds and nourishes you, and says, I'm coming back. And you behold him in faith and are justified. You understand then God's law is pointing to Christ. In that epistle reading St. Paul wrote, Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if the law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would be indeed be by the law. But scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. And so dwelling in this end of the church, you take great delight in what your Lord has promised and what he teaches. And as one who has been justified by God's grace alone through faith in Christ alone, your new life flows from this. It bears fruit, and you live as you, has called, as you have called to be in the waters of your baptism. You do turn from your sin and seek what he desires, cling to Christ and the forgiveness you have on account of him. You do love your neighbor as you love your own self. And your response to God's word, though, as a Christian, is now no longer what is the way that I can wiggle my way out of this? But instead, it's a confession. Lord, let your name be kept holy in my life. Let thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Give me this day or my daily bread as it comes from you. Lead me not into temptation, Lord, but deliver me from the evil one and all evils. And we see this is our life in Christ. A life that is and finds it has its being in God's compassion. And so Jesus said, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. That's what God says to you to this day. So see that word of God today and know that you've had been shown compassion. That you've been picked up. That you've been bandaged up and God's concern is for you. And so he would not want to see you perish, but that you would live with him forever. And that's the wonderful truth he places before you this day. As we heard last week, he does all things well. So as you go through this life, 
And there may be times when you feel like you are beat down and people just keep passing by you along the way. That's not the case with your Lord. So even if you are laying dying in the ditch, God's love towards you is eternal. If God is for you, who can be against you? So he alone is the one who has forgiven your sin. And you no longer stand afar, but you've been brought near, even as you have been baptized in his holy name. And that's the comfort you have in this life. That's the promise that he is coming again and that you are his and you belong to him and no one can tear that away. So thanks be to God for such compassion. Thanks be to God for such boundless love that he's shown to you now and forever.